Yeah, I mean, outdoor space is always going to be, you know, timeless. People are always going to want to have, if it's a roof deck, everyone loves to tout how they have a, a roof deck uh, to go up there and, you know, fire pit or something. We've been doing that a lot, putting fire pits up on the roof or fireplaces with some green space. Grills. Throwing some turf yeah. up there. Grills, absolutely. Well, I'm in Dorchester Street, that, that grill, you know, I gave Dave a hard time that's at the time because he spent a lot of money i think doing those uh, upgrades which were in hindsight very much worth it but it's the it's the number one if you ask the brokers the number one thing that sells people after they see the apartment they walk up to the roof deck and mm. they might not even use it but five times a year but that's pushes people over they the could. edge now welcome to the real estate addicts podcast this is episode 80 with your host, Dan Rubin, RH Investment Group. Ray Herto, RH Investment Group. Mark Savatsky, Choose Boston. And joining us today is... Dave Winnick, Cedarwood Development. Dave Mateo, Cedarwood Development. Dave and Dave. Makes things easy, sort of. Do people get you confused a lot? Just before they meet us, I guess. Yeah. I'm going to address all my questions to Dave today. <laughs> Thank you. They'll be addressed. Good. <laughs> awesome. So, you guys... Developers, investors, mainly in the city. Boston. You guys, I'm going to say something. You guys do like, you'll compete with us on like a two family. Yeah. And then I see you building like 93 units uh, in Weymouth. And I'm like, well, guys, leave me alone on the smaller stuff. <laughs> I don't think, have we really come up, come up against you in, on some deals? I, we recently did see you on a four unit that uh, a couple of us were bidding on in Southie. Oh, just and tell I think, us next time. You know, we'll say, oh, yeah, you guys can have it. That's take fine. Instead, yeah. instead of, you know, driving the price up and up, right? <laughs> I had that experience recently. No, no, you do the opposite. <laughs> Mark's on this one. <laughs> I did the wrong thing on that one. I walked out of an open house and a buddy of mine, not, not like a close friend, but someone I know through the community walked in and we sort of rubbed shoulders, said hi. And we ended up raising the price on each other. He eventually beat me. But I should have just done that. I should have called him and said, how badly do you want this? If, it, if you really do, let me know now. I don't know. Hey, it's a free and open market. Buyer That's beware. That's true. Yeah, it's important to talk though, guys. You know, give us a call and <laughs> figure it out. Maybe, maybe you know, to finance it for us or something. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. Isn't that what we all want to do one day? Yeah, you guys are an investment group. Dave right? Grossman on a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, yeah. He's he's sponsoring the podcast. Actually, yeah. Great private money lender, Grossman Companies. I think that is the ultimate pinnacle in development is when you can really just like go to the beach and give other guys money to uh, yeah, go I keep grind. I agree. Right. We still, we borrow money from Dave. Yep, mailbox money. So are you guys focused mainly more on rental units or condo units or a mix of both? I'd say a mix of both. I think yeah, it kind of depends. We're, we're, we do both. Uh, we look at each uh, deal independently. We, when we go through to permit it, I think it kind of, uh, we, we look at it as out of the way. And then by the time we get further and further down, kind of depending on what else we have going on, we'll kind of dictate which direction we go in to hold it or, or to even to sell it. So uh, each deal is dependent. We looked at trying to get a mix it typically is about 50-50. We'll hold on to okay. half and sell half. I mean, we end up having to, we run out of cash, so we need to sell some project. We'd like to hold on to everything, ideally, right. but we run out of new cash. I feel like that's the evolution of a developer's career, typically, is like sell, 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 rent a couple, rent more, and then just hold everything and keep putting pieces on the Monopoly board. Yeah. I mean, that's what we did probably took us at least the first five years, probably before we started holding things. No one ever wins at Monopoly by selling your, your pieces. <laughs> yeah. Hey, let's back up real quick. I know we all hate this part of it, but just real quick, high level, who are you and uh, how'd you meet and how'd you get started? Like what brought you to real estate? Just real quick. Yeah. So we, um, we both grew up together in uh, Bedford, Mass. 
we started doing uh, together like in high school. Started uh, painting houses and and building decks and you know all all of like the college college pro painter. Yeah. Were you building the decks we, or GC? It, it, it wasn't exactly a college pro. Our friends did actually officially college pro. We we actually just kind of figured things out on our own. By uh, uh, I mean, we used to drive around. This is by the way driven by Dave Winnick over here. We would drive around neighborhoods and just write up estimates and put them in mailboxes. The <laughs> <laughs> turnaround rate right on that, you would direct to seller marketing. That's oh, great. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah, we would knock on the door and say, hey, uh, you know, politely say that your house might need to be painted or repaired somehow, and we're the guys for you. And Driving it, for dollars. Yeah. yeah, so it was great. It was pretty it was challenging, you know, in that sense because we'd have to try to align ourselves with with what their their need was, and obviously try to price it as such. And then uh, high school. And then the yeah, early challenge. early girl in market. Well, then the other yeah. challenge is actually trying to figure out how to do what they needed us to do. <laughs> Just, Once again, they called you up again, you know we had yeah we didn't have any experience in, in or insurance carpentry or insurance or any legal matter that yeah. no one cares about the insurance when they're getting that good price. Yeah. You know I mean? <laughs> There's no uh, college pro cut coming out. There was no. Uh, yes. I'll tell you, yeah, that's another evolution as a developer is checking insurance certificates mm. in the beginning. That's a good yeah. price. I'm gonna, I know. It's yeah. tough. I'm the I'm like the hard guy on that one. But you have to be. Yeah. As soon as you have anything to lose. <laughs> so I mean, yeah, the nine dropped yeah. did you. No, that's all right. So the next step was, you know, we went to went to both went to college and uh, you know, advanced degrees and still like in the in the summer times we, we can you know continued pursuing and doing what we were doing because we you know we're making a ton of money at doing it, actually enjoying it, being our own bosses and and uh having fun, learning uh, quite a bit. And then we both went and got professional jobs post college, and then wah, uh, wah, wah. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So that didn't last long. <laughs> and then uh, what we actually at the same time we're kind of concurrently uh, doing uh, development deals. We ended up doing a deal together in uh, in Somerville, whereby we did literally all the work ourselves, other than the electrical and plumbing. By the way, this is back when you could buy a house. We bought the house with no money down. And no, you know, no doc loans. We got seven, <laughs> so five, oh six. Yeah, yeah. So and no idea. Seven hundred grand. Seven hundred grand on three family. No money down. You didn't even to provide income proof. You just said, hey, we we got wow. this house. This We'd is like, yeah. pre recession. Yeah, and then uh, yeah. then we did all the work. I mean, we would go there after work from. Well, you've got to work. It's good to meet somebody who benefited from all that. I feel like we just had the reverberations and the downside when all my friends were losing their jobs out of school. So, sure, yeah, and you know, no money down, no document, no idea what we're doing. Yeah, a lot of luck, and you know, we ended up making some some money on it. And for us at the time, it was like great money. So we said, "Great, this is this is awesome." And and, and literally, yeah, it felt good. Let's just do it again, and uh, it was fun. So we really enjoyed it. And literally to this day, like we enjoy what we do. We genuinely enjoy what we do. You know, the the uh, the finding a deal and uh, envisioning the uh, the end result and, and watching that as a and enjoying the process as it evolves. That project evolves from a, a conceptual idea through the you know, from the planning and you know hiring the consultants and getting it approved and then starting construction, uh, working uh, with the design and then actually you know selling it or renting it is extremely gratifying, which is why we're still doing it. You know, we, we're going to continue to do what we do because we enjoy it. It's gotten a little more difficult these days. It's gotten a lot mm. more difficult. <laughs> a lot more difficult. So, so actually, so you you basically did that right before, or did you did you have any deals going on when the market took we took did, a so dive? We did it before. We still, that was probably like around two thousand five, and then yep. it's funny. We I think we came to Southie. I think we did another deal or two here. They're just two. We were you know had our regular jobs and we were doing. Work. Were you living in the city? So we we. So we did Somerville. Actually, we moved back with our parents. We're like 24 years old. Best yeah. move ever. <laughs> and then, uh, yeah, then we lived. Mom, meatballs. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> we, 
we uh, moved to Southie. So we were living in Southie and we were doing, and we were doing one or two, two families, three families a year. I think we actually only had one, like a two, when the, the market crashed, we had like a one, two family that Southie did okay. I mean, we, yeah. you know, instead of selling things in a month, it took us six months maybe, but it wasn't really a big price hit. And so we were lucky in that at that time, we didn't have a huge amount of exposure and we kind of kept just chugging along. Yeah, I think I read a statistic at one point where it's like, you know, you have like Vegas where, or in Florida where the, the recession, it, like the prices dropped or values dropped like 70%. And then in Southie in particular, I think they just like, they went up 5%. <laughs> so it's like, it, it didn't really affect the Boston market. I mean, things slowed down, but we're very lucky and blessed to be in, in where we are. I mean, I feel like we've been, since we've been here since 2005-ish and the market's just, you know, again, it, it wasn't like 10 years ago, it wasn't like it is now, but yeah. I mean, but it certainly was, has always been, I think, a very solid market. I guess that brings us to the next, you know, we've looked back now looking forward. Mm. Uh, we're in a, a rising interest rate environment again. What does your crystal ball say? What do you think the pressures are? What do you think prices do? How do you think the market responds? So I, I think... For us, it's been. And how pinch. often do you get that question? Ah, we don't get it that much. No, more. you know, everybody. Like you guys probably are out there a lot more talking to a lot more people than we are. You know, we're trying to keep our heads down and <laughs> keep, keep plugging away. This did take us eighty episodes it's to get you guys to join us. Eighty. That seems like a lot. Too focused on stealing four unit buildings, right? right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, I think we are lucky here in South Boston that a lot of interest rates will sure, certainly affect uh, some of the buyers, but I think that. You must see it too. I mean, we're still seeing a lot of buyers who have a lot of money and and they're going to buy a place whether they're affected by interest rates or or not. In my opinion, I mean, we, I think that even when we see our higher higher end stuff, they're less affected. I think that there's still just such a demand here in South Boston that yeah, sure, some people will be priced out and might go to other locations, but I don't think that you'll see it hit as much as as other areas. There's, I think there's a there's a lot of people here with a lot of cash. And I think that we're so supply constrained yeah. that it's just... There's no two ways about it, though. It's going to send some people to the sideline. Yeah. So, you know, the bidding wars, the open houses that look like fraternity parties, I think that those may start to be a thing of the past. But I think real estate will largely retain its value in a place like Boston. You I think it's the, it's the low... I think it's the, the bottom of the market, I think, is where you might feel it the most you think the bottom though because there's a pretty decent argument that there will there will be a triple trickle down effect someone who could afford a million dollars can now only afford 900 and the largest possible buyer pool is for people in like you can get a roof over your head for 400 and for five hundred thousand dollars you know i think i think it's the value neighborhoods you know the the blue chip stocks are blue chip stocks but stocks that have just skyrocketed over the past five years I think buyer beware. Yeah, it's a good analogy. I think it's a healthy this it's a healthy part of the cycle. This uh, potential mm. downturn or any downturn is really a healthy part of the cycle. It kind of filters out the, you know, the, the people that shouldn't be in the business, or it, it kind of brings down some of the deals that, that really don't make sense on paper and it brings them down more to, to reality. So like your analogy before about blue chips, yeah, like those those solid investments uh, that are uh, they'll always be solid investments. And right. and those are the ones that need to, you know, you need to, have to, to invest obviously in those. And particularly even, uh, you know, to expand on your 
uh, uh, you know, an analogy before, you know, a mutual fund, right? So we're trying to get a little more diversified. Okay, so you're trying to get to maybe perhaps uh, different markets. You know, our mutual fund would bring us into different markets and allow us to get into different different uh, real estate segments. That's good analogy. If it's, yeah. if it's uh, commercial, if it's uh, residential, is it short-term rental, what, yeah. whatever that may be, and we're evaluating and trying to get into more of those type of things so that we're, we're well diversified so that we can endure the storms to... Right, right. To I, think, I think, though, too, the only thing I'll add is that a lot of times, and if you're looking at the same deals we are, there's usually enough kind of juice in the deals that... Mm. that oh, you hope. If, well, listen, I mean, especially in a market like this, then you should be planning for that, right? If you get some sort of relief or additional zoning, typically, that's where the market... Well, it's taking the risk, right? Or yeah. you're doing contingent deals, which are harder to Bingo. do, obviously, now. But I think some of those people will get weeded out. And then on the other side of that, I mean, again, if there's enough meat in the deal, what's your... Look at your worst case scenario and you should... Do you really think there'll be an adjustment that much? I think that, you know, looking at the right deals, you're probably safe that you might not be making what you thought you were going to, but you, you probably won't get hurt too That's bad. typically my answer to construction costs escalating as well. I mean, there's not a great... And, and then the other thing I'll add is just that rents will go up commensurately. All those people need a place to sleep yeah. and live. And so if, uh, you know, they can't... They exit the for sale market, they're still going to go somewhere. And if they can't afford to buy because of interest rates, well, if you're a landlord, that's a good place to be. Multifamily apartment is a good hedge on inflation. 30-something units in Lynn would be an amazing <laughs> deal to take down right now. <laughs> well, if we're, COVID, looking at, we're looking at that deal. No, yeah. <laughs> I hope not. You're we just out big, man. <laughs> I mean, COVID kind of pushed people away, right? No one wanted the shared living environment, but now... I think if rents rise and housing costs rise, you're going to see more co-living again. And the other part that is interesting, even though costs may be going up on an absolute term, I mean, half of that is because of the labor input on the on the supply side. So people are seeing higher wages. You're you're reading about, especially in tech jobs and and more, you know, not necessarily all the blue collar jobs, but even those are gaining. When's the last time you got a bid for anything? Right, everything's expensive, so it's helping everyone, makes everything more affordable, but it is causing this overall inflation. So the ones who aren't able to follow those wage growths are probably most affected and will continue to, you know, quote, suffer. And I don't know if that's the middle class, lower class, wherever it ends up being. But I don't know. I'm optimistic, I guess, is my point, that even with the interest rates going up, you'll still have opportunities and you'll still have. Did you, you said co-living before? Did you see the article? About flight attendant crash pads in these. Oh, so yeah. Uh, you mean out of a garage? <laughs> is that one of your buildings? <laughs> yeah. oh, I usually can find a way to defend a real estate investor from one of these articles. That one, I was just floored. This guy had like forty beds in a two-family and was oh, renting a two-family. It was it was a, an illegal apartment above a garage. Yeah. Like, uh, yeah, it was like a like a work garage. It was but not. These a were flight attendants. These were professional. Well, that was my question. Is yeah. like these this people they're not like making they're making good money. Why can't they? And I well, first of all. I, I also the thought they put them up. Yeah, that's what I thought. The airlines put them like up. I think it's like a per diem, so they probably would get the money no matter where they stay. So they rent an apartment and they <laughs> get an apartment with dollars forty people. Oh, you know, they're making more money. I was chatting with a, a friend who's an attorney, and she was saying that uh, she thinks that one that borders on criminal, and two that when that type of stuff happens, they typically will send a fire watch to the building. And until everybody can leave, they charge you twenty four hours a day for a uniformed firefighter to stand on the curb. To ensure that, you know, your house, which is not served for that occupancy, is safe. Yeah, usually you hear about the college kids that are cramming into the buildings, like five, six, seven, eight buildings <laughs> yeah. or uh, bedrooms. There's that law, three's a crowd. Do you remember that in, in Austin? What, four's a party? <laughs> no, it, it might have been four's. Yeah, Austin Brighton, and this was under Menino, but they instituted some policy. Oh, yeah, I remember that. You weren't that. allowed 
put four. Oh, it, it's it, the number it, of unrelated. It considered, it considered, yes. It's considered like a rooming house at that point or something. Mm. Now we're Bravo. spreading rumors, but um, just as, I think so. <laughs> no, was no, it? I think that's what it was. Right? I'll look it up. <laughs> that's what I was looking up before. It was the whole uh, back to Cedarwood thing. development. Yeah. yeah. You guys are working on something big right now. You have a large GC. You're accustomed to GCing work yourselves as, uh, you know, former deck builders. And painters. And painters. painters. But on this one, you have a large commercial general contractor. And tell us about what that experience has been like, kind of giving away some of that control. Uh, so you're talking about uh, like a project in, uh, in Weymouth? Yeah. Yeah. You want to give some specs on it? So sure. I mean, uh, so up until this point, you know, we've, we've essentially self-performed everything. And, and you know, reason being is we've, like you guys, like to retain that control. What's the biggest project you've self-performed? Self-performed, I mean, 30 or 35 unit project. Okay. And, um, you know, the reason we do that is, 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 is because, you know, we like to retain that control. We enjoy it. We don't want to give up that control. Obviously for cost, cost is a big, is a big part of it, but, um, we like to learn, and by doing it ourselves, we figured we'd, you know, we'd learn a lot more. So that's why, until now, we've done that. Up until recently, we took on a partner in a, a project that was permitted actually down in, uh, in Weymouth, and we actually were looking around to hire a general contractor. And the reason we did that is a, an opportunity to see if we can't uh, leverage, you know, leverage our, our money into other, other things and have someone else be building to see how, you know, and also get experience in working with a, a much larger project. So scale. It's a scale. Yeah, capacity, sure. right? Yeah, exactly. So this was an 87 unit residential building with uh, three commercial spaces on the ground floor. And uh, we sought out general contractor. We went with, uh, at the end of the day, went with uh, Catalan Construction. So, you know, we learned a lot uh, going through that process as far as, and you guys have talked about this before in, in, in previous podcasts, but how much of a different process it is going with a project like that. And unfortunately, it does seem like all the documentation is actually used for like a building a case. And it's kind of sad because it, it, it is and it isn't, but it kind of is, especially when you get into a GMP contract, which is the type of contract we entered into. And you, you, you unfortunately you feel like you're sometimes defending your, you know, you want to get all you can for your money. And obviously the GC wants to get all they can for what they're obligated by and what, what they legally have to do. But at the end of the day, it was actually, it worked out really well. Uh, the project came in under, under budget and um, leasing up for more than half leased up pretty quickly. Cool. And yeah, it went, it went, it went uh, very smoothly and learned, learned a lot about that size project. It's a rental building? It is a rental building. So was your takeaway then that documentation just becomes that much more important? It does, yeah. Actually, yeah, exactly. That's one of the takeaways that we learned from it. But it was also interesting to see like scale-wise to see like once you get to a larger larger scale, you know, the type of contractors you're dealing with, you know, aren't the guys that we're typically dealing with on a day-to-day -day basis. You know, there's, there's no, there's good, know, there's good things and bad things about it, that. Exactly. Yeah. There's no handshake deals and they're everything's got to be written down. They're and, not at least stopping by your office for a check, you know, the moment they're done with the job. These guys, it's usually before yeah. they're done with the job, right, right, they want yeah. the money. Yeah, they don't need money every week for payroll, and it's and it's you know so they're, they're able to last a lot longer. But it's a these are bigger crews. Do you go to Home Depot to buy them a few extra? So yeah, <laughs> yeah. definitely yeah. not. Guys, no. Yeah. yeah. So uh, you know it was it was interesting to see like you know who these guys you know who they ended up hiring, and uh, even uh, a lot of the stuff was uh, the framing was like prefab, so it came mm -hmm. from like Pennsylvania and shipped in. It was amazing to see that it was uh, it was a lot less expensive to get to buy prefab. And then all the interior non-bearing walls were all uh, like gauge metal framing. And just, was that something it, they helped you with or is it recommended? Or is that something where you gave them your architecturals and they're like, hey, you know what? We're just going to do it yeah. this way. Yeah, this is something that, that again, Callahan's based on their experience. They they take those plans and they say, hey, well, this is the best. They go to big framing companies. Yeah. They, they help you value engineer. So they, well, yeah, well, because it's a GMP. So look, we've got a number and they're going to they're gonna build it for X. So they're incentivized obviously to build it as less as, you know, less, as least possible. 
and then share those savings. I think the biggest difference between working self-performing and working with a sophisticated general contractor is coordination. It's just in theory, there's somebody uh, modeling this building in 3D, having meetings at a table like this with the plumber, the electrician, the HVAC guy all ahead of time, because we've all had the experience of standing in a living room with four guys all yelling at each other about who goes where and gets what real estate in the ceiling. And, I think that, uh, I mean, you still see that happen though. Yeah. Right? I mean, again, and we're not, we're not, the nice thing is you're not yeah. the one dealing with it, I think. Oh, all right. That but, might be true. <laughs> yeah. But I think there's still some of that uh, argument over who's where sometimes. We've spoken about this in the past and I just maybe like to get a little bit more detail. So you, you know, you were doing a lot of twos and threes and fours up until a certain period. And then all of a sudden you, you went from, I think like four to like 30. Can you just talk a little bit about that transition and kind of what, is that how it went four to 30 or like, what was your jump? That's funny. We think we did yeah. so we had four and then we actually per- built or designed and permitted nine or 10 oh, okay. units and sold it. We did actually, oh, you just permit use, okay. and use that money, I think, to, to, to do, do parlay. Yeah. To do it's like an echo chamber. Years. It's like an echo chamber for us, Dan. <laughs> so, yeah. So just talk about like how you kind of made that jump or like what made you decide to make that jump and sure, yeah, was, was it difficult to it do? Was, so again, it was somewhat of a linear progression because we did the you know four, maybe the nine, then, and that was a 12 that we ended up selling and ended up having enough cash to actually be able to finance that larger uh, deal, again, larger for us. I think we, you know, two reasons. One, we were, I think, ready to take that next step construction-wise. We wanted to get that experience in building a bigger building, which, again, we had never built a building for with an elevator. We had never done something with micropiles, so uh, or retention in each pile. So we'd never, you know, we had never been through that. So it was we wanted to do it, but it also fell into our kind of long-term strategy because we wanted to uh, hold the building to start holding on to more real estate and apartments. So rather than owning a bunch of smaller unit buildings, we uh, we, we planned on uh, owning one building with more units in it. That's kind of how that happened. At least the decision to go and, and seek out buildings like that. And that's essentially what we did. Went to the, onto that building. And that was kind of a unique, we, you know, that was a, a unique play because it was, again, we, a lot of value was derived there from, from entitlement. So mm-hmm. nice. Do you finance or do you, I guess, do you finance all the projects yourselves or do you raise capital for your projects or kind of both? Uh, we generally finance them ourselves or okay. use our own equity. We've done some investor deals, more to do them on kind of some smaller deals. So I think we'd probably do some of that going forward. But I think when we just, when we started, it wasn't, I feel like now real estate's the cool thing to do, right? And, and everyone wants to invest in it too. So I mean, raising money, I think in today's marketplace for this type of development is a lot easier than it was 10 years, even probably even five years ago. Um, so that's just the habit I guess we got into and so I don't know. Well, keep, well, keeps your financing costs down. That's yeah. I was sure. going to say you don't have any uh, GPLP splits or any kind of profit sharing that sort of Which thing. I, so I, there's I, a benefit I, to that. There is. I think we look at the deals that way and we say, okay, based on what we have for capacity, what we can actually complete, and does it make sense to raise money for a deal, uh, or does it make sense just to use our own money and, you know, like you said, not have that split? Right. So. It's like a lender's dream, to be honest, if you're dealing with the banks. So. I think there's almost a romanticism. I'll liken it to startups in Silicon Valley about borrowing other people's money. Did you say Silicon Valley? What do you say? Silicon. 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 Silicon's the stuff. <laughs> Sorry. Really? I Silicon didn't... is what you <laughs> buy at Home Depot to do your bathroom. Silicon is the stuff used in the computer chips. <laughs> Tell me more. Oh, God. I can't handle you right now, Mark. <laughs> anyway. In I completely Sil- derailed you. I'm in, sorry. In Silicon Valley, <laughs> they love to raise money, right? And, and that's like a, a sign. It's like a badge on your chest. And sometimes I feel like real estate developers want to harness a little Silicon Valley. <laughs> 
I think you're right. Just people, listen, I think it's the ultimate sign that someone other than yourself believes in you, yeah. right? Yeah. You, you know, someone else looked at this deal and says, yeah, I want to put money in, or I believe in you, you know, and, and I want to put money into your deal. So I, I think that- It's also a way to scale too. De-risk I think it's a huge. I mean, listen, we, we would certainly look to that more as we get into bigger projects. I mean, I yeah. think one of the things you talk about the 30 unit deals- it sounds like you guys are, have you done, what's the biggest that's, project? That's the next thing on our plate. Yeah, that's, that's why I said of, it sounded like yeah. an echo chamber. Your story yeah. sounds like what we could be in a couple right. of years time. So that's a couple of years time next year. Get this thing under. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the, the challenge I think that we've had, you know, Dave might be able to speak a little bit more to that, but I will say it seems like from us going down this road that those 30 unit deals, 30, 40 unit, 25 units, they're t- like you got to self-perform those deals to make them make sense a lot of times, and you got to get above a certain number to make sense to hire a GC. Um, and so it's kind of like finding that sweet spot because you you joke about how we do mm-hmm. two or three unit deals, and we do thirty unit deals. We have some three unit deals that are better deals than, yeah. than you know when all said and done, and on maybe a risk adjusted return than a. Mm-hmm than a 30 unit deal. So that's the tough part. But you're not keeping the twos, right? You're selling, like the thirties are right. keeping, that's right? right? That's right, that's right. We wanted to stop and acknowledge our sponsor, First Boston Capital Partners. Uh, Dave Grossman and his team do a fantastic job. So if you need financing to build a building, uh, we highly recommend reaching out to them. Uh, they're super flexible, fast, really good group to work with. Uh, can't say enough. So First Boston Capital Partners, you can reach out to us for an introduction and I'll be happy to put you in touch. Are you pulling cash back out after you're building and stabilizing these larger projects? Or are you just, are you just in? It depends if we can. I mean, you know, again, for us, that's like a, it's, by the time you stabilize a building, you know, you're usually looking at, you build it and stabilize it's it three, three years, yeah. right? And then you look at it and you're like, ah, if we give it one more year, we probably can <laughs> squeeze you know, a little bit. Right, out. exactly. <laughs> so I mean, we, we definitely do, we definitely refinancing. It's never, I feel like it's never like, you hear on podcasts, right? I'm just going to buy this thing, do the renovation, take all my money back out. Yeah. Oh, the Burr, the Burr model. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So we don't, um, I would say we definitely refinance our properties as, yeah. as required. As to, Maybe to, not as much anymore. To get, yeah, that's right. <laughs> I, d- I did some quick research here. Um, there we go. Boston for undergraduate housing rule, 2008 city ordinance prohibits more than four undergraduates living together. Fast forward 2013. The uh, Massachusetts real estate law blog says that the court ruled that if an apartment satisfies the state sanitary and building code provisions to the amount of living sleeping space, you cannot restrict the number of people. Mm. Oh, someone challenged it. I never knew that part of it. Yeah. Good to know. I hope that's correct. Does that, does that, (laughs) everything on the internet is true. Asterisk, asterisk. Well, no, Mark is not an attorney. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I'm pretty sure I follow that law blog. So was that uh, Rich Vetstein? I got to look. All right. Double check that. I will. But he he's a pretty good authority on it. And and yeah. my question for that is because we have a place in um, Bridgewater mm-hmm. and it's uh, all three bedrooms. And sometimes they're asking, can I put two people in a bedroom? And I was like, well, it's supposed to be three people. I think they have a local ordinance. So I'd love to know if the, the state supersedes that. Because, you know, I want to get into a legal battle with a town. To be continued. Yeah. <laughs> I love the legal battles. It is, uh, it is funny. Just throwing money away. Yeah. Yeah. That just is joking. just right. bonfire. This is race sarcasm. <laughs> Terrible. It's funny hearing you say that the 30 unit space can sometimes be very competitive and you have to be super cost conscious because I feel like Dan and I were just having a conversation how, you know, we're in the like five, seven, nine unit type space. And we're going, I really can't, I, I want to go to the 30 unit space. Yeah. That's, that's where the margins are. And then I, I imagine that people in that space think once I go high rise, then I can afford $550 a foot 
because that's where the margins are. I don't. Yeah. Always chasing something, right? You're always chasing. I think it's tough. I just think that I don't know that the thirty units, like the economies of scale, right? So it gets. To, I think it gets back to this conversation where you look at, you know, we do eighty-seven units with Callahan Construction, and they have like five supers on, you know, but yeah. five people on site were managing change orders, managing every different type of sub, right? You might not need five, but you need two mm-hmm. on site for a 30 unit building. You just, you miss, there's still a higher level of coordination. So in order to hit that economies of scale, it just, you know, Hey, listen, you'll see, we'll come back on after you guys build 30 units and, and we'll see. <laughs> right. See if we're still here. <laughs> I find, I find the lenders push you to the GC often. You know, you might be inclined to do 45 units self-perform, but you might find that those lending uh, want to see someone like Callahan or or their equal. Or Cedar Development. Or C- yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, I think they're nervous about the, the guaranteed maximum price aspect of it. Like, how can you guarantee your own price, right? When yeah. you're vetting the construction budget. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, but I mean, I think the argument is you're getting it done for less money. I mean, I don't, yeah. we actually don't I mean, really get rational. pushback on that very often. I know, yeah. I don't, I don't yeah. know. We, I think that, I mean, I don't know, how long, how many years have you guys been in the business for? 15, 12. 12. Yeah. I mean, at this point, tell the banks, listen, I've been in this business for 15 years mm-hmm. doing this. You want, you show me what your budget is, Mr. Banker. <laughs> I'll tell you how I'm going to, I'll tell you how I'm going to get this done. And if not, there's like eight other bankers who will finance this thing. I'll tell you what, we had a really big deal. And uh, at the 11th hour, everything was queued up, ready to go. The bank came in and said, uh, the GC you're hiring isn't, uh, doesn't have this uh, financial wherewithal, in our opinion. They can't produce a bond for this job, and therefore, we need you to, to figure out a, a plan B here. So it ended up being a joint venture between two very sized, in my opinion, big general contractors. Granted, this was a downtown high-rise building, mm. but um, interesting, you know, just goes to show that- yeah. I mean, I see that. That's, I think there's a lot, listen, you see, there's a lot of risk. That's the first thing that anytime there's a downturn, right? There's always mm-hmm. a, a new high rise building that gets left in the, in the, in dust. the dust as, yeah. as a result of that. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, so going back to just that, that, that 30 unit conversation really, because what we were talking about, I just feel that, you know, like the, the two to nine unit space is just, it's just so overwhelmingly competitive right now. Everyone is doing a three unit building, right? Or six unit Barriers building. Barriers to entry are very low, right? Very low, right? And then the big boys that are doing like the hundred plus units, they don't really want to touch the 30 to 50 units. So I, is there a lot of competition in that 30 to 50 unit space in reality? Or, you know, that's kind of where I feel it's more of like a niche kind of space where you know, there's a lot of people who don't really want to touch that space because. I think you're right. I, yeah, okay. I think you're right. I think it's, I think it's definitely fewer players because you're absolutely right. And some of the, the bigger guys just won't even consider it. It's just not worth their time or investment right. to consider the, the smaller for them projects. But there's a lot more, you know, guys that are doing the the, the smaller projects because it's, it's a lot easier to finance and, and to get into less money in, less experience. Banks are more comfortable with those. A lot of those guys are doing less hard sports. money. And let's face it, there's a lot more of them. Correct. I and mean, the, the, the river, they're easier, they're easier to find. So I think that's that's absolutely correct. I think one of the challenges with some of those uh, the thirty unit ones is uh, you know yourself. Make sure yeah. that you're actually not overbidding and you know, overbidding yourself on it. Understanding you know what you're we're actually going to be you know, renting or selling for and making sure your costs are all right. Just because you win at the end of the day, win the project, it doesn't mean it's going to be a good project. You know, right. people just get it to win it and they lose sight of the actual numbers at the end of the day. 
because I just want to win. I just want to beat the next guy. Yeah. But make sure the numbers actually work. And you're looking at the numbers realistically. What can I actually build this for if numbers go up? Well, I feel like people don't really look at the numbers realistically, even on the two unit projects these days. So. Yeah, we see that a lot. We see that a lot of people, uh, typically why a lot of these smaller deals don't work even for us. And we do smaller deals just because sometimes we can make the numbers work really well on them. But a lot of times we, we look at them and say, wow, I can't believe that guy paid that much money for it. And I think a lot of times people, they overestimate uh, what they're going to sell them for and they underestimate, you know, what they're going to you know, put into them. And if those both go in opposite directions, then the day you I, get squeezed I, very get squeezed. quickly. Yeah. So it's just not, it's not worth it to put you in a really bad situation. So, hey, good luck to you. But we just don't see how that, how that makes any sense. Yeah. Do you guys have any employees, any project managers? We do. Yeah. We have a, we have a couple of project managers. We take mm-hmm. on, um, we'll take on, you know, if we're doing a bigger project, we'll, we'll take one on or, you know, or two project manager and or a, a site super to handle, cool. to handle that project. Yeah, for sure. But we have, a, we have a staff, we kind of do a lot of the kind of the gray area stuff that, that kind of falls between the cracks, uh, between this, the, uh, that are hired. Some contractors will just charge too much for perhaps gets missed in the scope. Or takes too long to get it. Too long. Yeah. I was wanting to start a company called Work by Others and just do that stuff. <laughs> that idea. As noted in contracts, as yeah, we say in our yeah. plans and work by others. But I did recently start a recruiting business, Choose Boston Recruiting. So next time you guys need a project manager, reach out. Anyone listening? That's great. Wow. I've been doing it for like 10 years just on my own because really? people call. And I've, I swear, I've got to have placed 15 people with different awesome jobs. And recently, I say six months ago, someone said to me, like, you can charge a fee for what you're doing. And so I created a little LLC and uh, it's been awesome. It's great Look to hear. Uh, we're, we're, I mean, that talent acquisition is, yeah. a, is a vastly underappreciated segment. I mean, it's getting, getting someone who's really good. Mm. Is, it's so worth it. I mean, it can really elevate your, your business to the next level and help you do so many other things. Uh, talent, really, I mean, some people are, it sounds cheesy, but people really are the strength of your business and, and you can do amazing things. If you have got great people, you can free yourself, you know, free yourself off from what otherwise you know, you'd be you know, concentrating on and allow you to be much more efficient by moving on. So all good people. So, yeah. Give you a nice. shout. Thanks. See how your company works out. It's great. Yeah. Free plug. Free plug. Yeah, well, you know, it's the benefit of having your own podcast. First one's free, Mark. First <laughs> one's free. Oh, man. <laughs> when did you take on your first full-time employee? Actually, pretty early on. We, you know, we ended up taking somebody on who was a carpenter, full-time finish uh, in, in framer, who had experience. So he's been with us uh, since probably 2006. Oh, wow. Yeah, he's but he, you know he's a great guy. He's very loyal and he's, he's very skilled at a lot of different things. So you know, again, he's been our kind of our gray area guy, kind of filling in all those random things. But also keep in mind too, when you have you know uh, a portfolio, sounds cool to say, so a portfolio, <laughs> and, you, and you need maintenance done. So it's it's great to have you know we're able to keep him in between the gray area of the development projects to uh, help with the the keeping the apartment up. You know, in addition going. to yeah. a maintenance guy and a property. Do you man, manager. do you manage exactly. your own? We do. Okay. Do you take warranty calls? Like buyer has a warranty issue. Do do either of you take calls on that? What do you mean? Like uh, buyer moves into a condo you sold. They they have your number. Yeah, they have our number. They do have our number and email addresses. Mm -hmm. We we try to make sure it's an email unless it's an emergency. Emergency. We can cut this if you want. I don't know. I I mean, what is your email and phone number? (laughs) I mean, listen. You know, right? I mean. I think that it's we've always since sorry we've always always made sure that we're. uh, we're getting out to uh, remedy any any problems that arise, right? Because you, you know, with new construction, yeah. you're always going to have problems, right? And yeah. I'll tell you though, new construction is not perfect construction. 
That's right, but you know it's you know it is worse than condo calls. You know, condos you sold is apartment. No way. Oh yeah, for us at least. I mean, we get a lot. You get a lot of um, silly calls that are not really emergencies. Yeah, we've noticed there's a there's an inverse relationship between the number of service calls and the reasonability of, of people to the sale or rental price of the unit. That's true. Inverse relationship. Right. Hmm. Quick question. I've you had put... that, but I've had the other end too. Hmm. I once had a buyer a go under stuff. cabinets with a dental mirror, like on a telescope and looking back at the mirror to show me that there were nails coming through. I feel like you get polar opposites. You'll get people that make a huge deal out of nothing. And then you'll get people that are like, yeah, the water's kind of been leaking for the past couple months. And right. it's just like black mold everywhere. You're right. Like, what? Yep. This is um, the first phone call I've got? <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, I didn't want to bother you. Like, All right. Well, uh, next time you should. Okay. Quick question. Garbage disposals in rental units. Yes or no? Absolutely. Yes. Okay. To be honest, you know where it really helps you is, especially most of our units in South, they have indoor trash rooms and the least amount of food in those trash rooms, the better mm. for rodents, for smell, for everything. Mm. So. Any other tips on building rentals? Make it industrial. I don't know. <laughs> Construction. Now, there's, listen, there's a balance, right? So there's a balance between what's going to be uh, industrial and hold up and be durable and then cost. There's also going to be a balance between this. If you're going to hold on to it for a long period of time, you can't go crazy trendy, right? Everyone loves mm-hmm. doing like real crazy trendy kitchens and the yeah. latest backsplashes. We, we did that on a couple. We, I walk into them to for, for whatever reason. And I'm like, wow, I can't believe they did that. I can tell like that right in the era <laughs> yeah. that, yeah. that something was there. Oh, this is our Brazilian cherry flooring. Mm-hmm. Okay, that was done uh, 2008, 2009. And then everything goes, you know, grays. Okay, that was real big, like, you know, 15, 15 to 18. Okay, Dark so ceilings. you can tell exactly like mm-hmm. what, what so it's you want to be, you know, in the middle of the road, but not too in the middle of the road, but you want to stand out just enough. And that's similar with the condos too. You want to be yeah. you know, sexy enough, but not too sexy, right? Yeah. To turn that's off too many nice. people, mass appeal, but not, you know, uh, so that's a challenge. But yeah. Durable. So the apartment thing, we, we, we discussed it a lot. We talk a lot about what, how nice, you know, uh, things need to be relative to durability, but also we want to be nicer. We want people to feel that, that mm-hmm. they have a nice home because we, we truly feel that, uh, you know, having a nicer place with nicer amenities feel that people are going to want to uh, stay there. So it's going to justify higher rents. Better and also quality tenants. Better quality tenants, exactly. And then also in down markets, you're going to retain those uh, yeah. people. Your building's going to be full uh, longer. Are you putting amenity spaces in your apartment building? Yeah, we try, absolutely. Yeah, anywhere yeah, possible. Like what's the number one you think now? And is there one that's kind of timeless, right? That won't change over time? Yeah, I mean, outdoor space is always going to be timeless. People are always going to want to have, if it's a roof deck, everyone loves to tout how they have a, a roof deck. To go up there and you know fire pit or something. We do, we've been doing that a lot, putting fire pits up on the roof or fireplaces with some green space. Grills, we're throwing some turf yeah. up there. Grills, absolutely. I love in Dorchester Street that that grill. You know, I gave Dave a hard time with, at the time because he spent a lot of money, I think, doing those uh, upgrades, which <laughs> were, in hindsight, very much worth it. But it's the it's the number one. If you ask the brokers, the number one thing that sells people after they see the apartment, they walk up to the roof deck and mm. they might not even use it, but five times a year. But that's pushes people over they the could. edge they it's could. Like, well, that's the, yeah see that's the thing you know it's not necessarily how much they use it it's how, all the marketability side of that's it that's crazy exactly. I, we didn't realize this but until we saw footprints but i mean we had tenants using the grills all winter and it's not covered mm-hmm. so you're, you're walking out there in like a foot of snow we had to start shoveling the roof deck <laughs> wow. to us. yeah so yeah but amenity space that's a good it's a good question so yeah i mean typically the bigger buildings like we're planning on a few other buildings right now we're talking we're, we're going to be putting in a uh like mechanic station, we're going to be putting in a dog washing station. These are the things that if you can fit them in, by all means, we're going to try to put them in because it's 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 a great marketing piece and we do think they'll actually get used. What about gyms? Well. That's a tough one. I mean, gym is kind of a personal thing. Me anyways, I feel like gym is kind of a, a personal type thing as far as we like to go 
If you're in an urban area, there's usually a ton of them around. Anyway. Yeah, and, and typically, most of the buildings that we see are involved in, like the, the amount of space that's afforded to gyms is really small. So the yeah. amount of equipment that you're going to have there it could is, never be your like, actual gym. Yeah, so it's like I'm, one elliptical. I'm kind of jaded. Yeah, yeah. yeah I'm, I'm not not really hot on gyms. Uh, Good. Nice. <laughs> I think you're saying we've we've actually that argument helped you out because that Weymouth project, and I mean the kind of the report back is that. Those gyms get used as like your fill-in gym day, right? Yeah. Like people belong to a gym and they might go down there to run because they can't make it to the gym. Or your lockdown gym day. Yeah, which, mm. which makes it not entirely necessary. The, the pet thing, I, I mean, I, I was thinking about that because it's it's something that we've definitely seen and heard of a lot. How do you handle, not the pet washing thing, but just how do you handle like pets in general? So someone wants like a dog washing station. So does that mean everybody in the building is now going to be more of like a, an animal lover. They'll have a dog or a cat or two of two of them. How do you keep the apartment building itself from becoming for more or less, a, you know, a zoo, that's, right? Yeah, that's and the become, noise and the noise. Yeah, it's become more of a challenge, I think, since COVID. A lot more people want to have pets. Understandably. I mean, I, you know, <laughs> I like pets, but... Uh, just goldfish. We've tried. I mean, listen, we just implement kind of, I'd say, the typical rules, which is no dangerous breeds. You know, one dog, two cats are allowed. And... We try, we do try to keep it to, you know, a couple of pets per floor. So like a Dorchester street, we have nine units per floor problem. Like you're saying, if you have multiple pets, sometimes they play out, you hear dogs start barking and they hear each other. And so, I mean, cause I, that can ruin the whole tenant experience as well. Yeah. Not to mention, you know, we don't allow them on the roof deck because people don't clean up after their dogs on the turf or so, I mean, there is the, the pet thing is, is a constant staying uh, on top of people i think yeah it's, it's hard there's no die fast rule because people you know with their pets it's like their child and a lot of times it's maybe right. they're only you know <laughs> right you guys can come back for episode 100 and we'll talk about pets okay. and, your 30, unit, uh, cool. and your 30 unit building yes yeah. you did yeah yeah and that, mark's board yeah and right <laughs> what <laughs> i was going to propose the lightning round overrated underrated or appropriately rated we can do that right you want to go first because i have nothing <laughs> silicone hey, let's, let's change topics uh i, I i'm gonna think of something that i haven't asked before so come back to me dan i'm just gonna we're gonna play hot potato here juliet balconies is this overrated underrated or, or, or lightning round no it's overrated underrated popular rated. okay <laughs> i'm not sure how people feel necessarily about uh, uh julia balconies i like them i think they're kind of undervalued because i think it brings in a lot of light into spaces for not a lot of money it brings in a lot of light and changes the whole space of the room so i think they're undervalued and, and underemployed they're not, I, don't, I don't see them around very often hmm. okay i'd say appropriately do i get to say two or yeah it's no, just one of us if you're answer? quick about it okay you know that's it tell you what i'll just give you my answer appropriately rated that's good there you go fiberglass shower pans yeah overrated overrated really yeah appropriately for rentals that's my position yeah, I, I mean, I just think they give kind of a, a, a feel of uh, cheapness you yeah. know, about them. So I'm not, not a big fan of them. And people tout how amazing they are. You see them a lot in kind of a more affordable type, uh, you know, developments. Mm-hmm. So. You can do a nicer one with like a trench drain and try to make sure that you use some mud set below it to make it sure. not that <laughs> sponge. trying to justify something. He's definitely, he's definitely <laughs> for a friend. He's definitely fishing for an answer that he wants to hear. That he wants to hear. So we've, we've, and we've done it. Depends on price point. We've yeah. done it. It definitely saves you, saves you a lot of money. It just it depends on your reduces callbacks. Looking for, for sure. Yeah, nice mm-hmm. textured accent walls. <laughs> what is that? All right, no, 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 no. Oh, Hear me mean? out. Hear me out. No, I'm not talking about spackle. <laughs> I'm talking about you know you're seeing all Popcorn these like corn ceilings. Like, 
Wall, Mark. Venetian wall. plaster. Or uh, you're seeing a lot Mirrors of... Mirrors on ceilings. Whether it's painted or natural Stucco. wood, you're seeing a lot of these weird designs on the wall. And they're picking a wall. You know, what are your thoughts on that? I mean, that's a design thing. I think it's a can be under if it's done correctly. I think it's under because I think you can do, you know, they've seen a lot of cool design features where it's a, a shiplap or a, something like a Venetian plaster, like Dave was saying. You can do some real cool stuff with uh, some moldings and millwork and really kind of change the whole feel of a room. But it's got to be done right. It's got to be it's got to be done tastefully. It's got to fit in with with their else. So I'm I'm a big fan of uh, of doing them, and it's not not done enough. And in times that it's done, I don't see it typically done correctly. Or nice electric heat pumps. That, that all kind of depends. I think I think the small smaller units. I think it makes a lot of a lot of sense. But I think uh, we're actually seeing some uh, the cost of those. I think it's it's, it's expensive. So I'm going to say uh, I'm a little overvalued right now. It, it makes sense to put in a lot of times, but the end, the end use is, is, is pretty expensive. So we're still trying. Are you putting them in rentals? What are you using for? So the smaller units, yeah. We're trying to figure out, uh, listen, from a from a cost perspective on installing, we save a lot of money, but at the end of the day, it costs a little bit more. I'm yeah. not sure. The city's pushing for that Yeah, the too. city's definitely pushing for it. A lot of municipalities are getting away from natural gas. Yeah. The, the, it's, you know, it can be expensive though for the, uh, for the operator at the end. They don't, sometimes if they're, if they're wall hung, they don't look great. So yeah. I'll give you one more pro tip on those is that uh, the Nest thermostats or Ecobees do not work well no. with that Mitsubishi head unit. You're really inclined to keep the Mitsubishi thermostat if you want to get efficiency out of that unit. And unfortunately, the Mitsubishi thermostat is not very user friendly in terms of like, you know, Wi-Fi enabling. Mm. And, That's why you're uh, going to go Panasonic. Mm, maybe. Well, with that, my last <laughs> uh, tandem parking. Go. Definitely over. Yeah, I think it's overrated. I think it's overrated. They're kind of a pain on the button. That's going to come down to who's ever the end user is. And condos less so, apartments very overrated. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's it all depends. Sometimes tandems are, you know, they share, you know, one unit has one, the other has another, and it can be a complete nightmare. Depends on, you know, that's right. Definitely over. Over, very Not a no, yeah, no question there. Hands down. You can avoid that. Avoid Robotic parking, but if there's something that's super overrated, that is the worst. Really? Didn't want to hear that. Absolute nightmares. I not I know it's not over under, but how about like what's the coolest home automation thing you're you're putting in these days? Our smart home. That's against the rule. Out of turn. We're not doing a lot of the smart the smart automation stuff. We're, we're uh, only because nowadays. I mean, I'd say you know, ten years ago, we, I would have thrown you a whole bunch of stuff. They had the iPad, you know, uh, stations or uh, stuff like that. But now nowadays, everything is so wireless. Yeah, that there's no need to actually put it in um, on the build because they can be retrofitted to like alarm systems and motorized shades. And I also feel you don't want to yeah. you don't want to force a system on somebody because right. there's so much out there where someone could want, someone may want Google, someone may want Facebook, uh, Meta, someone may want. So it's like, it's kind of up to the individual person. Well, I put a kitchen faucet in that I can speak to, to fill precise amounts of water, turn the sink on. Yeah, but who, what is that? feel what, lonely at home. Yes. But what is yeah, that? You know. But what does that sink into? It's Alexa, right? So it's Amazon. What? Uh, yeah, it's shit. Yeah. So you're in the Amazon ecosystem. I guess so. Yeah. So. Right. Yeah. So that's okay. Apple will come out with some sixteen thousand dollar faucet for you. (laughs) I think. I think if you're doing stuff, I mean, you can. I actually in my own house put like Z-Wave switches in, right? And you you can and you can connect those to any ecosystem that you'd like to. Yeah. But but it's going. That stuff is going away. It's all going to be Wi-Fi. It's all going to go away from like the the Z-Wave and the whatever the other stuff like the either 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 low energy Bluetooth or or Wi-Fi. It's where everything will be. So Episode 100. You heard it here first. <laughs> All right. Last one asking for a friend. Three, three inch or four inch recessed lighting. 
versus five or six. I don't think we've ever done three. And I mean, uh, a lot of times we try to maximize our ceiling height. You're looking for nine, you know, nine foot uh, ceilings. The five or six, we, we typically do a five inch. The five inch is great. Nowadays with the LEDs, cans, you can you can select the, you know, the appropriate lumen that you're looking for. Oh, yeah. So the five inches is, is fine. It puts out a ton of light and you can go for like that. The, the white, not the hospital white light around the five or 6,000 lumen. Yeah, I was going to say, what, or, what Kelvin yeah, are you going not, at? Yeah, not the two or three thousand. That's way too warm. Out. And you got to match the three or four. So, so the, thing, the thing that's important is gets I'm me a up. light bulb freak. Yeah, me too. So <laughs> same with like LEDs. They all got to match. The lumen's got to match yes. your under cabinet lights to your, your ceiling lights to the, even the light bulbs that you put in your, your, your pendant lights for your kitchen cap, you know, kitchen lights. Everything's got to match. How annoyed do you get when you walk into a unit and, and one of the lights is on a different temperature than all the other ones? Yeah, it gets me. Because your electrician yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. select the switch. <laughs> yeah. so you're, the you're, never, you're never invited to my dinner party. Yeah, it's, I'm just going to be so self-conscious. Nails on the chalkboard. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, with that, thank you guys both so much for joining us today. Thanks Can't wait to have us. you back for episode 100. If someone wants to get in touch or see what you're up to, can they follow you anywhere? Uh, we're not very active on that. <laughs> no. So you're going to give out that uh, email address and phone number yeah. now? It's mattmartin.martin at awesome.gov. Take that out, please. Uh, cut, 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 cut that part. Being uh, serious, you, Alex. You, you cut can, that email, email, email us. <laughs> Uh, why don't we reshoot that laugh the last part there? Let's, what? Let's just reshoot the whole. Well, they don't have any place. So, they don't want to be talked to. You can email. That's fine. Why don't we do the whole thing? Just send Mark a uh, an email really, through the podcast, right. and he'll forward it to them. <laughs> we don't really have. We, we don't really because we don't. We don't. You're not our, public. We don't sell. We, yeah, we don't. We don't sell our own stuff. So we don't like. We have brokers that sell our own stuff. We don't like. We don't. Yeah. We're not general contractors. You don't have an Instagram page. What about time we do? I think I saw something recently. The last time we updated was. Five years ago. Wow. <laughs> yeah, I, just, I mean, like, listen, I give you guys credit because it's a lot of work to keep up with that stuff. And, I, and for us, yeah. we don't think it necessarily drives revenue in our business. Yeah. And uh, sometimes, yeah, honestly, it's like kind of less is more. So that's why we don't really, we don't, we're not general contractor for hire. So right. if we're general contractor, we, we need to appear, you know, like legitimate and have, you know, this. It's like choose Boston recruiting. So exactly. <laughs> <laughs> or, or choose Boston appraisals. Or choose know. Boston notary. Or choose Boston family. So you want to shoot like, I don't know, you want to start over again. What, actually, what, how do you even recommend we even say something? Uh, I think yeah, we're good. I think we, no, uh, I, we just, thank you guys so much for joining us. This has been, uh, it's been really fun. We're glad we had a great time. We'll, we'll see you on episode 100. 100, 100. It's only 20 yeah. away. Yeah. 21. Thanks everybody right. for rating, listening, reviewing. If you've enjoyed the podcast, please share it with a friend. Thank you. Or two. We'll catch you on the next one. All right. Cheers. Yeah.